AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Welcome to the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Josh Smith, editor of Ground Support Worldwide Magazine, and today we're speaking with Lee Williams, president at Avia Enviro, and Rudy Yates, president at Ground Support Specialist, to learn more about the evolution of forced air de-icing equipment. Lee, Rudy, thanks for sharing uh, a little bit more information and shedding some light on this topic. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having us. Well, the concept of forced air de-icing has been around for some time. And this method is designed to work in conjunction with the icing fluids to efficiently remove snow and ice from an aircraft while reducing glycol waste. Lee, you've been involved with the forced air de-icing technology for many years. Can you, can you help our listeners better understand how forced air was first utilized and what advancements have occurred to develop this de-icing method to what's presently available? Yeah, sure, Josh. Forced air began with the United States Air Force trying to remove heavy deposits of snow on aircraft in the northern areas, the Minot Air Force Base, and in Alaska. They would have three, four-foot snowfalls on their wings, and putting fluid on there just seemed to be going backwards. So they had developed a system where they were using bleed air from air starts, and it was a crude system, but it seemed to work. And as I was with FMC at the time handling the Air Force account, I saw this equipment. And in talk, making my rounds and talking to Federal Express, Rudy Gates at the time was the chief engineer of Federal Express. I told him about it, and he became interested. So make a long story short, he and I developed and built the first commercial uh, forced air system. And when the Air Force saw that, they granted us a research agreement to continue development to bring it to the commercial industry so they could purchase it. And that's exactly how it came about. And they granted us an, a research agreement, which ended up lasting nine years. It was uh, undertaken by Dr. Keith Numbers, chief research scientist at the uh, Research Center at the United States Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. And in uh, that resulted in a system that you've seen for the last 20 years, a fixed uh, static system, forced air, the benchmark set around uh, shearing type 2 fluid, and that system's been used for 20 years. So Dr. Numbers has taken those information that we've accumulated over the past 20 years and developed this new system, which is an adjustable system, which addresses what we think are some of the weaknesses or downfalls of the first system. So that's a very quick uh, outline of how it came about and where we are now. But um, basically, over the last 20 years, we've learned that forced air, uh, if used properly, can save up to 70 to 90% fluid, and it's 30 to 50% faster. During this time, the Air Force has accumulated information, and they have done a quite involved calculation, and they have determined that it takes 13,000 times more energy to remove snow from aircraft wings using heated fluid rather than forced air. 13,000 times more energy, heating the fluid, pumping it, recuperating it, and everything involved. So that, along with the major 
uh, airframe manufacturers, uh, Boeing and, and Airbus, have basically claimed that they feel that the air use of forced air in many applications as possible is less damaging than putting heated fluid on a cold-soaked aircraft. So the whole thing has been moving forward relative to that. And Dr. Numbers, again, has stepped up with the new technology, and Rudy Yates and his company has stepped up to try and bring this to the, to the table and bring it to the commercial industry so that the Air Force can purchase it and use it. It's interesting. And, and speaking of that, uh, that new forced air de-icing nozzle, I know you mentioned it's adjustable. Can you share some details about what makes this, um, this current forced air de-icing nozzle different from previous iterations? Well, the, the first system was a static or fixed system where the air source was fixed, putting out a certain amount of air, and the nozzle was fixed. And um, it was a great tool. It gave you something other than heated fluid to use. And then we began injecting fluid into the forest air, which has given us even more tools. But what we realized was that the system needed to be used on different types of snowfalls. And what we had, the fixed system, although was good on certain areas, it was not good in others. So we determined that to maintain a safe envelope, operating envelope on the aircraft, you can't just adjust the nozzle. You have to adjust the air source with it. So this new system, uh, Dr. Numbers does quite a bit of work on Air Force development, is also good on the composites that are being used now, which are, are not really, um, that they don't really like to put a lot of heated fluid on some of these composites nowadays. So this system by Dr. Numbers takes into consideration what the future is bringing. The Air Force is developing all a lot of new aircraft, and they want their support systems to be uh, the same. And I think this is a step forward for the Air Force to continue to develop their, their forced air. And they feel that the future is air is the is the free and clean medium that we will use to deliver the appropriate fluid to the aircraft at the appropriate time. So we're going to use air to deliver fluid. And I think that's the big step forward that we're moving here and that we're making here. And that sounds like a good, you know, step forward, like you mentioned, but as far as, um, kind of the, the more recent history, have there been any perceived disadvantages to using forced air de-icing that have hampered the adoption of the technology? And how have some of those perceptions been overcome? Well, I think, I think that's it exactly, Josh. I think the fixed system uh, worked at a certain, didn't have a lot of reach, uh, didn't work on all different weather conditions. And I think a lot of uh, users, you know, if it didn't work quite right, you know, they weren't trained properly maybe, uh, it wasn't very effective. So I think what we've done now is um, bring you a system where you can address the aircraft with only the air and the fluid that's needed. Uh, up to now, we've had, you know, 65 gallons of heated fluid, and no matter what the coverage was on the aircraft, that's all we had to use. That was the only tool we had. What we're trying to do is give the operator more tools to address these infinite number of weather conditions. And reach has been one of the things that has been an issue. And I think this new system with the nozzle is going to give us more reach. It's, we've got some uh, test uh, computer analysis to show that. 
And we also have the ability to inject type 4 fluid into this system, which would be an, an anti-icing approach where you could do a, a uh, approach with a type 2 fluid ahead of time and then use the forced air to remove it later with hardly any fluid use at all. What Lee's saying is the new knives on the new system that we're talking about and doing the testing on, it's going to make the previous system that was fixed, it's going to make it variable. It's going to give the operator the ability to turn it up or down as needed depending on the weather conditions and depending on whether or not the aircraft has been sitting and is cold soaked or whatever the conditions are, he can adjust to them with the new system. Very good. And, and understanding that flexibility provided to the uh, to the ground service providers, uh, you know, performing the de-icing uh, services, uh, that leads me into this next thought about some of these um, the benefits that um, ground handlers can achieve. And of course, uh, a big part of it is a reduction in glycol use. And I imagine that provides some environmental benefits, some financial uh, savings as well. You know, what do you see as, as kind of the, the key benefits for adopting forced air? The, the number one and number two costs for de-icing is fluid and, and fluid costs and labor. Life's, life cycle costs of fluid, you know, purchase, storage, heating, spraying, collection, uh, uh, disposal, it, per gallon, it's, it's, it's very expensive. And the Air Force, by, use, by virtue of equipping their entire fleet with forced air, uh, the second time around, 770-some machines have reduced their fluid costs by hundreds of millions of dollars by using this system. So the, the fluid savings is, is not only a, an economic thing, but it, it also helps the carriers meet the 1988 EPA ruling where de-icing fluid was put on the hazardous materials list, which is, means they want to quit using it or reduce it dramatically. And I think that's what this technology does. Not to mention how it is somewhat faster and used properly. So yes, the benefits are both economic and environmental. That's what makes forced air such a great technology. Right. So when a, a ground service provider is, you know, interested in in adopting this technology, what sort of training is required to get people up to speed and, you know, using this forced air nozzle as efficiently and safely as possible? Well, there are companies out there that have, you know, video training, and it's. I think it's a matter of understanding that um, it's just it's just an application process where different modes, different coverages require uh, different approaches. Uh, a heavy wet snow on an aircraft wing cannot be approached from the leading edge because it just packs up against the snow behind it. So you, so when you have a heavy wet snow, you reach over the leading edge to the trailing edge and blow off the trailing edge first. Then when you come back to the leading edge, the leading edge blows off the, 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 the back of the wing. So there's different approaches for different coverages. And up until now, the fixed system didn't allow you to address, say, an icy system, uh, wherein now we can pull this uh, stream of air into a tight beam and penetrate the ice. And then once the air gets underneath the ice, it spreads out under 
the ice the same way the heated fluid does. It's the same way they use, they use heated fluid to, to get through ice is you bore a hole and then the fluid comes out underneath the ice. The same air does the same thing. It's all fluid dynamics. So by use by the use of the adjustable nozzle, an adjustable air source, you're able to go from nearly a supersonic situation to a very light, fluffy, dry snow that would require nothing more than just a forced air alone uh, at a minimum speed, at a minimum uh, nozzle dressing. So you have you, what you're doing is you're giving the operators a, a, quite a few more tools to use to address the different weather conditions. That makes a lot of sense, and I'm curious to learn a little bit more about um, how this technology is being incorporated into the field. Uh, but why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, forced air de-icing. Would you like to reach key decision makers in the industry? Share your message on the Aviation Pros podcast and reach key leaders across all facets of aviation, including aircraft maintenance, airports, FBOs, airlines, and ground handling. Contact one of Aviation Pros' helpful account representatives to find out more. We're back with Lee Williams and Rudy Yates. And now that we've had the opportunity to talk a little bit about the background of forced air de-icing technology, I'd like to ask you more about deploying the forced air nozzle into use. So, Rudy, how have officials at Ground Support Specialists begun incorporating this new nozzle into the company's de-icer designs? Uh, what sort of engineering or designing processes needed to be evaluated when introducing a new nozzle? Well, what we've done, we've taken Dr. Number's design and we've come up with a manually adjustable nozzle that can be incorporated onto the existing trucks, Josh. And we're going to be taking that nozzle and installing it on one of our trucks here at the GSS factory this summer, approximately the third week of July. And, and during that period, we'll be inviting members of the uh, SAE G12 committee uh, to come to the, the factory and review the testing that we're going to do uh, during that week here at the factory to to determine the pressures and the different adjustments that are made in the nozzle and exactly what kind of feedback we're getting from the nozzle and the design. I mean, everything that's been done thus far with this new nozzle is all computerized and theory. We're going to actually take it and we're going to put it on a setup on one of the GSS trucks that's 75% of the full-size trucks, and we're going to be recording all of this data. And once we do that, we're going to take that data and we're going to analyze it, and we're going to take all of the various settings that we put on this manually adjusted nozzle during the test, and from that, we'll take that nozzle a step further and we will make it a adjustable nozzle that's adjustable from within the de-icer basket that the operator will be using to give him the full adjustability of the fluid injection and the air volume variance based on the tests that were done here with the manual nozzle. And that'll be done 
before the start of uh, the de-icing season in 2021. And uh, once we get those parameters laid out and down, um, we'll be publishing that data. It'll be published into uh, the SAE documents and recorded with the ARPs. See, it, when you were um, selecting a, a de-icer to incorporate this nozzle uh, into, uh, did you uh, select a, was there specific reasoning behind the, the model de-icer that you selected? There was not really a specific reason, Josh. The only reason that we picked the unit that we had was it, one, it was one that we had available to do the testing. It also made it kind of easy being one of the smaller units because uh, all we have to do is take that and go up to the full-size unit. Uh, it's, it's, the tables are linear. With forced air, everything that's 75%, if you add another 25% to it, it'll be 100% for the full-size machines just like the other manufacturers use, and that way it'll cover the full spectrum. And we can publish that data with full confidence. And if Chris is able to attend the test, uh, we would certainly appreciate a, a full report from him on his thoughts uh, as it is his design. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, uh, those upcoming tests, um, you know, later this summer, um, are there any qualities um, that you anticipate, um, you know, you know, really proving a work well based on um, some of those um, uh, computer analysis that have been run? And are there any variables that, um, that may require additional testing once, um, you know, those physical tests are, are performed? That's certainly a possibility, Josh. And, you know, it, it's uh, Boeing has always said, and Lee mentioned this earlier in the conversation, that. Uh, they update forced air more than hot fluids. So anything that we can do to, to enhance use of forced air, injection of fluid, and uh, giving tools of this nature operators in the basket where may have the ability to turn up on the amount of fluid that they put into the stream, and the amount of air that gets into the stream, they uh, allow them to do a better job is what we want to give. You know, through the 80s, uh, when I handled uh, the Air Force account for, for FMC, the Air Force led fluid development. They were always wanting more pressure, more fluid, more volume, more heat. And as a result of that, we would put that on the TM-1800, and then the commercial customers would buy it, and then the competition had to match it. So we went from spraying 35 to 40 gallons. Within 10 years, we were spraying 65 to 70 gallons a minute, and that's what, through the 80s, that's what prompted the EPA to come out in 1988 and say that the icing fluid is the second largest groundwater pollutant next to agrochemicals. It was a serious situation. So this is a technology that has basically allowed a number of carriers and airports to come within EPA guidelines. And it's it's the chosen technology of the Air Force by virtue of them allowing Keith numbers to continue development. This is not under a research agreement this time. We just gave him permission to come forward with this because he made some discoveries in airflow. 
And so I think it's a continuation of the Air Force's commitment to continue to push the icing technology forward. And the commercial industry, a lot of people in the commercial industry don't understand that, but they really have been the leader both in fluid and in forced air for 30 years. So with the uh, looking forward now and with the demonstrations and further testing planned this summer, when do you anticipate the latest forced air de-icing nozzles may be found on de-icing trucks out in the field? You know, Josh, I would expect that based on the testing that's going to occur this summer, it's very likely that you will see the new nozzles on aircraft de-icers during the season of 2021-22. There's no reason that we can't complete these de-icer nozzles and have them installed on trucks for this next season. The other thing that we can do is very easily have nozzles that are retrofitable onto existing machines that are in service today. Are there any requirements necessary um to get those retrofitted or would it strictly be a, um, you know, a, a customer preference if they wanted to convert to forced air de-icing? I think that would be a customer preference. However, if the tests are as successful as we believe they will be, I can't imagine that the customers would not be interested in updating their equipment. The only thing that will be difficult in updating on the, uh, previous equipment will be controlling the amount of fluid flow through the nozzle. Controlling the amount of airflow is going to be relatively easy with the new nozzle. However, we still have a lot of testing to do this summer. Yeah, of course. I'm sure there's uh, a lot to learn yet, but um, you know, based on our conversation here, it sounds like uh, this technology has really evolved. Um, you know, quite quite a ways and uh, we'll continue to do so uh, moving forward. I appreciate you having us on. And um, I think as you're, you're correct, I think uh, this technology is going to continue to evolve. And this is just uh, another step moving forward and trying to, you know, get our aircraft uh, de-iced safely and uh, use and, and be environmentally uh, as safe as we can be. That's, that's, our, that's our goal. Very good. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'd like to once again thank our guests, Lee Williams and Rudy Yates. And if you'd like to learn more about forced air de-icing and other de-icing equipment, visit gssonline.com. And for more information about de-icing and anti-icing best practices, as well as the latest de-icing equipment offerings on the market, consider subscribing to Ground Support Worldwide newsletters and continue to visit aviationpros.com.